0: The 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his deputy staff sergeant, Jack Luna.
1: Okay, Sam, with me, man. Where are you? I'm in the front office. Oh, he did go outside and started shooting.
2: Okay. Oh, hi, Luna. Hey. How's it going? Pretty good. Yourself. Thanks for asking. Pretty, pretty good.
3: Pretty good. Um, Bean Bean had an incident.
2: Yeah, I heard a little bit of it, and then we decided to talk about it on the on the episode. What happened?
3: Yeah. Um, so my brother and sister in law have these really cool stools. Like, and. Hoops? Yeah, like stool samples multi-colored. all over the you can, It's like a museum. Uh-huh. You yeah, really have a curated collection. It's like pretty nice. elephant
2: dung and yeah. giraffe dung. Oh, that's cool. That's a different way to decorate your house.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. And they have a game called Who's Poo? <laughs> and you've got to put your hand in a box
2: and figure out whose it is. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's a fun. straight diarrhea. <laughs> the operators.
3: <laughs> you win. And then, you know, handshakes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you ever meet people who just have diarrhea all the time? And you're like, ah, I think you it might be like you're nervous or something. Like it's always people with high anxiety. Like oh, every time I take a dump, it's diarrhea. I'm like, go to a doctor. That's you, right?
3: <laughs> well, I have an interesting story on that. So we went camping this one time. And my sister, my younger sister, brought her a friend with us. And um, her f- the friend's family was sort of, a, they were like na- very natural kind of people. Mm-hmm. Very nice. We loved them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just lifestyle was pretty natural. And we're camping. So they, they had to do their business. So they go off in the woods together and, you know, they separate by, you know, an acceptable social distance. To they both had things. to
2: go at the same time.
3: Well, you know how it goes. It's like I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, I'll go with you, Patricia. You know, oh, okay. they're friends. They're, sure. little, they're little. They're little. You know, twelve-year-old girls.
2: Oh, I thought you were talking about a couple, like a man and a woman, for some no. reason. <laughs> Sorry, my
3: sister and her friend.
2: Like people's periods are synced, but their diarrhea is synced. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Gross. also true. Um, so they, my sister and her little friend, they go off into the woods and and they come back, and my sister's like, hey. This is really weird, but um, could you come check something out? Mm. <laughs> I was like, uh, sure. I thought like an animal or you know, the <laughs> Can't kind of to, uh, yeah. you know, a cadaver.
2: Yeah, you grab your scout kit. You know, you got yeah. your magnifying glass and all that. Yeah, you're you're yeah. You're, you're gonna uh, discern what type of uh, mushroom it is with your little booklet, wild exactly. edibles. Yeah, can we eat that or not? <laughs> Turns
3: out, what we what I saw is we couldn't eat it. Um, they brought me over, and they're like, my sister was like, so my friends, um, my friend feels fine, but her poop has worms in it. Ooh. <laughs> oh god! I, so I go and I look, and I'm like, ah, crap. Are they
2: move? They're, so they're moving. They're like little maggots moving in it. Yeah,
3: It's like you know, it's you know, and it happens. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess not to me, but yeah. So we had to, you know, didn't cut the camp. Camp out short or anything like that because <laughs> most likely she's had this for a while. It's not like it's, you know, just happened. Right. And so, yeah, it, it, and a conversation ensued with her parents afterwards like, hey, so you, you got to kind of take care of this. And
2: yeah, don't you know, eat know, raw prob- meat. Stop eating raw meat.
3: Yeah, it could have been a handful of things that caused it, but it was interesting. Like, I never come across that. Like, if that happened, if that happened to me, I'd know it right away because, mm-hmm. you know, I confirmed that everything's okay, toiletry wise. But it was interesting just to see how, like how far, just based on what I was looking at as a doctor, <laughs> how far <laughs> how far this had had progressed, oh. you know.
2: She what are we had talking to have been about?
3: Uncomfortable. What are like, we I talking about? What,
2: like like how big are these worms? Uh like an inch? Yeah.
3: No, 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 no. They're the little, like, like a, like white and a, you know, quarter inch, quarter inch long.
2: Imagine an inch. That, well, yeah, 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 Jack. They're like caterpillars. <laughs> it's
3: yeah. I went out there and they just like, they lifted up like cobras and they were like, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my goodness, that came out. <laughs> you know, oh, got a how many more here. are in that 12 year old girl? Um, now, you know, like quarter inch long, little mm-hmm. white things just look like hair almost. Sure. Yeah, you know, Just very small, but. Mm. But worrisome, so, you know, I'm guessing she had to go to the doctor. Or or she didn't, and she, she died. I don't know what happened.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I've told this story before. Before you get into the thing with Bean Bean, but, mm. like, talking about being out in the woods, this girl, she was—I oh, shouldn't say this. Okay. I think I've told this story before. She <laughs> she has—she uh, ended up dying in a car accident, so I'll say yes. that afterwards. But—which um, <clears throat> which is hilarious, right? She <laughs> She's eating a marshmallow off of a stick— And she goes to tie her shoe, and the marshmallow stick gets stuck in the back of her throat, and she's dead, right? Like that's the funniest part. But like, she gets stuck way in the back of her throat, and she lifts her head up. She goes, "Oh!" And the stick (laughs) is stuck so bad in the back of her throat that it's the stick is up off the ground. Oh, (laughs) that's terrible. That just reminded me of that funny story, man. Oh, yeah, Those kids. We had well, to – sorry, one more. I uh, we uh, we. I worked at a group home. We were really focused on poop, like a lot. You had to be, right? Always. So it's like, hey, come take a look at this, and you'd have to write down like how big it was. Hey, what was it? Extra large, formed, brown, right? Like you would say that. I even do that in our own house with the kids just for kicks, right? <laughs> oh, man, he would get so many – but anyways, this one kid, he, he had um, this condition where he would eat everything. I forget what it's called now. Uh, I almost had it, but he was eating um, string. He got a hold of mm. some string and ate some string. So when I was wiping his butt, I saw a piece of string hanging out. So I went and asked. I was like, "What do we do with this?" And they're like, "I don't know." And I was like, "Well." And so I grab it and I start to pull on it, right? And I pull uh-huh. like this long piece of string out. Like it was long, and I'm pulling it out. I get it out, and then they talk to the doctor the next day about it and they're like what did you do with it and i was like uh i pulled it out he goes what (laughs) like (laughs) are you serious because i could have like punctured his intestines like ripped something on the inside i didn't know he'd never do that again so so, since then i i leave any worm-like aspect in a bowel movement alone but
3: you know our bowels are are crazy how Mm -hmm. how orchestrated they are in processing everything that we eat. like you think about you think about the things we eat we should be dead we should be dead pretty quick you yeah. know just the things that we consume that are bad for us uh you know the different textures of things and everything just, it, it, we should be dead our bodies are pretty amazing mm-hmm. they're like
2: boy okay all right we'll deal with this. everybody
3: <laughs> i guess we'll <laughs> all, deal with that. all
2: hands on deck he just swallowed half a steak i guess he's doing a food eating competition or something yeah
3: yeah it's like uh you know it's like a pizza pizza place where all the employees are thirteen and you know paid twenty dollars an hour and oh great, we got a sixty order pizza. no one pee on a pizza. This is a normal order, nobody spit on it, nobody get mad like the the thing just operates and it's not mad at us
2: yep.
4: <laughs> you
3: know for the yeah. for the extremes that we throw at it
2: I know, it's amazing anyways, what happened to bean bean?
3: Yeah, so they've got these stools and they're really cool. Uh like leather tops and vintage looking and the bottoms of them are these three-legged all metal steampunk kind of just heavy as heck, like 50 pounds a piece with a big crank on it and a giant like meaty gear and when you crank it the stool goes up or down, you know, so it rises and well, <coughs> and um really cool. There's three of them. There's they're they're in their kitchen area and they're at mm-hmm. the island where we had all the food that we were eating that night. And we were done. Coats were on, boots were on. We're all leaving. Bean bean runs across the room to uh to get one more tomato and runs right past me and trips on a ghost her toe. <laughs> I'm not sure. And just goes forward full velocity, face first, into this gear encrusted <sighs> mechanism. Oh, wow. Like the thing that stopped her motion was her face. No hands or arms or anything. Just dunk. I mean, you would have gotten the same result from dropping her face first into like a Cummins turbo diesel truck engine. Just wee bonk. Oh, um man. and instantly. I pick her up. She's she's like that, that cry where there is no cry happening, and you're like, you gotta take a breath, you gotta take a breath. You take. Uh-huh. That- and I'm she's in my shoulder, and I'm just I'm just going,
0: because
3: yeah. I don't want to look. Mm-hmm. And I, she pulls away, I pull her away. My shirt already has blood on it. She has a giant goose egg on her forehead. Uh she bit through her tongue oh. with her back one of her back teeth. And she had a cut underneath her chin, and everything's just bleeding, you know. Mm. And and it looked so bad at the beginning. Turns out that it was just like a quarter-inch little cut underneath her chin. Her tongue stopped, you know, filling her mouth with blood within a minute, and mm. the goose egg, you know, kind of went away. It could have been so much worse. I mean, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that... Like she didn't lose an eye yeah. or crush an orbital bone right. or, or something. I mean, it was it was so minimal compared to what that that stool should have been right. should have done to her face. Oh. Boy, I, and I still to like at this moment, I still have PTSD. Like I cringe, I keep cringing because I keep replaying that moment and the sound and just oh, oh I, I have such a hard time with things like that. She like knows, the time where I almost I almost killed that little girl with the drone at the. Oh yeah, at the, pumpkin, at the corn maze. <laughs> I still cringe about that, thinking how quickly you know yeah. that all happened. I don't know how I'm going to do in war.
2: Oh, when if I ever it have comes? to go to war. Oh man, I was talking. To I'll probably around. be fine. Yeah, yeah, you'll be okay. You got the weaponry for it. I don't. I got yeah. a jar of pickles and a, I think I've got <laughs> still got some jalapenos in there. But yeah, <laughs> no, I had a similar thing, tough. man. I, when I when I heard you talk about that, she was going to get a tomato.
3: Yeah, tomato. That's it. That's all she needed.
2: And her face turned into a tomato. Yeah. That's horrific. It's very sad. Did that happen Um, yesterday? Happened Sunday. Sunday. Oh,
3: so, okay. So, yeah. So, so we patched her up really quick, uh, temporarily, drove her to the ER, and uh, turned out just a little glue, a little, little medical glue. They closed the little quarter inch cut under her chin, which needed it. It was deep. It was Uh. deep. It just wasn't wide. Um, and uh, and everything else, you know, just kind of healing up. And that's that's Bean Bean. That's Mouthful mean, of blood at least once a month. The, the kid's amazing. I don't she, even know how she runs into stuff.
2: Just hurts so hearing much. it had happened to Bean Bean into a bunch of gears like that. Like, you're right. It could have been so much worse. Uh, I, I had, um with Charlie, who's four years old, he uh, takes this huge dump, you know? Remember, I was worried about how small his butthole was when he first... Uh, <laughs> was born, and I talked to the doctor smoking cigarettes with him. I don't know if that was in the uncut or not, but... <laughs> no, i uh, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, I went for a smoke with the doctor after Charlie was born. He was born on call, had a call over his head. It was, like, really special, so everybody came and watched it. Went for a cigarette with the doctor, asked about his butthole, because I thought it looked small like an elephant's butt. And anyways, not that small. Oh, one thing to talk about on that. Turns out that Charlie is actually a warlock from this whole call situation. He's growing silver hair out of the front of his head. Really? (laughs) Yeah, there's a big patch of silver hair. I'll take a picture and put it somewhere. I'll show it to you at least. Yeah. But anyway, so Charlie takes this massive dump, and I'm trying to unclog the toilet, and... Um, I'll finish wiping him up and he's out there. He's dabbing on the haters. You know, he gets really, really excited after, after he does something, anything. He's like, I'm dabbing on the haters, dabbing on the haters. That was a big poop, dad, dabbing on the haters. And he's frigging dabbing. And then I hear a bang. And then I hear him going, I'm okay. Oh, Oh, I'm okay. I'm like, oh shit, he's not okay. So I go in there and his whole, his head's bleeding all down his face. And I go and I get this. I'm like, Why? okay. So I pick him up. He smashed it. Sorry. Yeah. He smashed his head on the table when he was dabbing on the haters. Oh, right? gosh. He just slammed a big dabbo uh. on the haters. But they, <laughs> oh. they fought back. And uh, so he's got a guy. He's like, I got a hole in my head. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you got a hole in your head. So I'm cleaning it all up. And I'm speaking to him real softly. And uh, he goes, uh, you speaking to me softly to try to calm me down, eh, dad? <laughs> Yeah, man. So smart. <laughs> uh so that happened that might have happened on Sunday as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah. our kids are their their fates are intertwined, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, next time you have diarrhea call me and I'll see if I'm having it too. Yeah, <laughs> our our diarrhea sync
3: up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, oh, man! All right.
3: Uh I've got a I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Here. Um Hey Luna. Hey Hey, by the way, do you know what do you know what Deadbug says when I say "Hey, Deadbug"? Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I think I had to like actually manufacture a response from him. I had to go find somewhere in the script, in the te- in the audio, where he was like, "Hmm, hmm." <laughs> I just put <laughs> it in there because he was like, "I'm not going to respond <laughs> to that." I'm going to do it.
2: <laughs> I, I, I finally talked to Deb. I've been a huge fan of Deadbug for like two years. And then Kent reached out to him. Now you're talking to him. And then uh, so I reached out to him. I'm like, hey, man, I'm Jack. And uh, he's like, yeah, we'll do a phone call. We did a phone call. It was so, I wish I had recorded it. Because it's kind of like two kind of similar personalities, right? Speaking and getting to know each other. And we were like not on the same wavelength for a while. But it ended up being really well. We're, we're, we're friends now. We, we talk back and forth. But it's so interesting to me because I was kind of questioning him. Like, so you're like this. <laughs> <laughs> Like I thought that was a character like you're like, and then I'm like, oh, your YouTube channel's not doing so well. Maybe you should stop dropping like all this homophobic slurs and uh, the racist stuff. Oh, what? I'm going to, I'm going to like, you know, like not be myself. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, don't be yourself so much. (laughs) So we were like kind of. It was weird having the two. I wish I had recorded it, but now like we we get we get along really well. It, it, yeah, it,
3: uh, yeah, I couldn't see how that wouldn't play out well.
2: Yeah, <laughs> giving <laughs> that kind of input. I, yeah, yeah, Colin, <laughs> fucking criticizing the guy. <laughs> Um, maybe it's not YouTube. Maybe it's you. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what you yeah, right? no, <laughs> like, Maybe you should censor yourself. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. And then I'm like, well, I could probably do it. You know, I could figure out a way to go about it. If you want to team up and do a YouTube channel, he's like, "Wait, well, you, you, you think you can figure it out?" When I can figure it out? I'm like, "No, no, no. So, 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 what well, are we going to fight, Deadbug?" And, and it was, uh, it was. He, he's so much fun to talk to, man. He's so smart, he is. so interesting, oh,
3: so many stories, so, yeah. so much to talk. About. You know, and and the thing is, it on Deadbug says, um, which is a new podcast that's out produced mm. by produced and distributed by Eleven Fifty Nine Media. Um, you know his his views and and everything they're packaged up for a you know fifteen twenty minute story, but it's interesting to hear his insight on things and and why he you know how he gets to where he gets and mm-hmm. you know it's it's just it's it's cool it's another another He's way of storytelling
2: very refreshing man raw and real anyways you got a question yeah uh, hey Luna hey hey. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I love doing it. It's just, like, it, it feels manipulative. Like, I ha- I'm not going to say anything until you say something. Uh, anyway, okay. Hey, look, looking at your life. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking at your life again. <laughs> uh, which friend is the poster child for, I knew it, I knew he'd end up like that. It can either be good or bad, but... Um, you know, do you have a friend that, that you're like, yep, I knew that's how it was going to go?
2: Okay, I'll try to keep this short. The, um, the thing about me is that, and, and since our last episode where we talked about the reason why I wasn't coming on to the podcast and all that, and I did a thing on Patreon, I immediately decided to go and get therapy. Just because I'm trying to better myself, I'm trying to change my life in certain ways, financially, so- socially, physically, spiritually. I'm at that point, I'm almost going to be, you know, I'm 41 years old. It's time to make some changes. Are you good
3: friendshiply? Friendshiply, are you good? Are you good with, like, with...
2: I'm going to ask you. I can ask you (laughs) if I am because, like, here's the thing. You, Kent, my brother, I got a buddy Tim, I got a buddy Terry, Shaz. uh, I'm sure I'm missing a few people. But all these people, except for my brother, I've only met in the last, like, eight years. For me, my childhood friends, and I heard Deadbug talking about his childhood friends, and that, that got me a little bit too. I also listened to a podcast, uh, Joey Diaz, uh, uh, The Joint with Joey Diaz, where he's a comedian, uh, where he's he's so in touch with like his childhood friends still. And so I go to get this therapy. They immediately grab onto me because of some of the stuff I wrote, and they start with me right away. Um, the guy I got... Here's his little bio. I help people break free from addiction, heal from trauma, overcome depression, and confront their daily anxieties. That's the guy they freaking set me up with, right? So yeah. Wow. He and um, <clears throat> he's talking to me, the therapist, and he's like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk on Monday, but first I want you to write down these certain things. I want you to go through your life. I want you to so we can you know really get the most out of what we're gonna start talking about here. I want you to be prepared. I want you to think about these things." And so the friendship angle, it's funny you ask because I was going through that and I had really close friends growing up. I really broke into this group. I had to fight, literally fight my way into being ha- able to hang out with these guys and stand up for myself a lot. I was the guy who would, f- who would fight. I got in like dozens of fistfights just trying to prove myself in these situations, losing them, getting, you know, winning them. Um if you were going to break into a house, we're going to break into a car, send Jack. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to do anything because I want to be accepted by this group. And I was a new guy. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, really attached to these guys. And um, we all got arrested at one point, And they all turned on me. And um, I won't drag this out too far, but that's the pretty the long and short. That's the really very short version of it. That they betrayed me, and I realized that I'd been kind of picked on by those guys that whole time too, because I would do anything. You know, it was like they would send me into really dangerous situations, and I was so willing, and they knew they took advantage of me for that. And um, I was exploring a lot of that, and I realized that the reason why I don't really get into a lot of friendships is because of those um, situations. So, so. With us getting arrested, I was the only one who wouldn't say anything. So the cops assumed that it was me. And they kept me in a jail cell for like, I don't know, it was like eight hours. And they all left because they said it was either me or this other guy. And then, you know, it it just... So after that, I wasn't friends with this group that I grew up with anymore. I moved on from them and I became like a lone wolf for like a really long time. Um, Only hanging out with my father uh, and with, uh, say, my brother. And uh, a few other friends along the way, <clears throat> so to answer your question i don 't know what happened to any of those friends in my life <laughs> because I stopped, <laughs> and the o- and and I only started picking up friends again, and like I said, the last eight years um, and uh it's a childish thing to say saying you have a best friend, and it might throw you off a little bit when i 've said that about you in the past, but I really do feel that way because I only really started bringing friends back into my life recently. <sighs>
3: It's weird to say that friends are, are, that friends as a package, you know, that, that like some people just don't have them. So I I watched a show last night, by the way, amazing. You got to check it out. It's a documentary called The Rescue. Oh, yeah. About the The cave divers. Yeah. That, that saved the, the children. Um, every single one of those cave divers was sort of the same of the same ilk they were all wired the same way very socially awkward as kids very uh they struggled as adults that cave diving was kind of their space which and they recognized the contrast almost the irony of it that they felt at peace in a muddy water-filled crevice in the earth mm. as opposed to anywhere else yeah but it got me thinking you know for many people friends are a package deal you either got them or you don't, and a lot of it is I think a reflection on us right it's it's I have friends because I am capable of sustaining relationships, and some people say you know they they're not capable of sustaining relationships, so they don't have friends, and we all know those people, and if you don't know those people, it's you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I think it, our lives kind of ebb and flow when it comes to friends too. I mean, sometimes we're just busy. You know, we got a family, and friends are so secondary. It seems like energy that we can't waste. Mm-hmm. But at sometimes, sometimes friends are also a litmus test. You know, for where we are in life. Yes. And uh, so, do you have that? I don't really know what I am because when I watched the cave diver show, I was listening to what they were saying. I'm like, oh, that's me. That's totally me. Yeah, that's me but i was i was i was a popular kid i you yeah. know i i was friends with a lot of different walks of of kids in school yeah um i struggled with things like i i was always i was the guy that was always frustrated because girls liked the brooding dark mysterious or the or the jock that ignored them like those guys yeah. they were beating girls off with a stick
0: right
3: and and the girlfriends i had were very true very 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 solid relationships and everything, but like I, I as a dumb boy, as a bo- dumb teenage boy, I never like the the really beautiful blonde haired blue eyed girl. Never was like, oh my gosh, I have to get with him, right. because I was friendly and uh, and you know I was affable and. I was all these things and I think I've said it before they were always like, "Oh, you're you're such a good friend. I'm going to date everybody else and then I'd like to marry you or somebody like you." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's cool. S- stupid." <laughs> um, you know, so when it came to friends, it was sort of the same deal. It was I was friends with a lot of people. I was close friends with a limited set. Um, Because, you know, you kind of roll with friends that have the similar interests and stuff. And many of my interests, I drew... I drew toward that had nothing to do with school. I was a, I was a solo athlete. I was a cyclist. I'd go out and ride on my own. And, you know, um, I was a musician that was learning to play in his room as opposed to just putting a band together. Mm-hmm. So I was solitary in a lot of the things I was doing, but people always were surprised when they found out that I was socially, like, I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to go to a party. I didn't want to do those things. I was funny, yet... You could find me in my room yeah. or or on a trail on a mountain as opposed to, you
1: know,
3: I, uh, hanging out with people.
2: I relate to that too. As much <laughs> as I tried to get into that group, which I did succeed in, I was very proud of myself for that because I went to a brand new school in grade seven um, <clears throat> and had to break into this group. And I got with like the cool guys, right? And I, I, I survived that. I did that all the way through until this arrest that I was talking about. But all through that time, I've met people who i think should have been my true friends and they were a little bit nerdier i guess and mm. i always felt bad when my friends would pick on them and i tried to protect them in certain ways say hey no like leave that guy alone and he he's cool and <clears throat> my friends didn't take the time to really get to know me i i realized i became something that i thought that i needed to be in order to survive within that that friend set that yeah. that i wanted to be a part of but I wish, if I could go back, I just would have hung around the people that I truly felt that I could connect with, and a lot of my insecurities and stuff, and maybe my background uh, attributed to me needing to think that I had to reach the top, what I perceived to be the top of like the coolest stuff, and do whatever it t- takes, not even behaving myself. I'll tell you quickly, I mean, even after I lost those friends, when I went to go break into new friend groups and I was like selling drugs and doing weird stuff and hanging out with whoever along the way, there was a period, I think it was for about six months, where I was working with these Irish guys, and this is shameful for me to even admit, but it says something about my mindset and things that I need to work through in therapy, is that I was working with these Irish guys and being around them, I took on a bit of an Irish accent and because I am heritage, my heritage is Irish. Mm -hmm. I was around new people, and I started using an Irish accent in huh. order to be different, be different, yeah. and, and for them to like me. And mm. I and I did this for like six months, and I realized, I was like, this is weird. These people all think I'm from friggin' Ireland, and I've done this to myself. <laughs> and now I need to completely just like burn this thing and, and leave because I'm embarrassed. I don't want to continue being somebody that I'm not. So, yeah, interesting question. You know what? You, you, you,
3: we're asked the question or we ask the question all the time. If you could go back and do everything again, what would you do different? If I could go back with the knowledge set that I have now, do you know what I would do different in high school? What? I'd get a GED.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't even right? go to high school.
3: I really wouldn't. I would go and right. I'd get a GED and I'd move on. Yeah. Because, you know, there are a lot of people that are like, oh, the social aspect of it was so good for me. hmm but the way I'm wired, and the i i feel i feel like a lot of my identity is wrapped up in my skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel sort of like an open tackle box at all time, and people are like, "Ooh, look at the lures! Look how shiny!" Ooh, look at that! Right. Look at that! But I'm I'm okay with that, and I'm very happy about that because. I don't know. It's my Elon Musk's Musk element, I guess. You know, right. it's like, no, I can make that. No, I can invent that. No, I yeah. can do that. I can do that. And I I pride myself on that. So I'd probably go back and either this says that at age forty six I haven't learned my lesson, or or you know I'm I, I I feel in tune, but I'd go back and I'd get school out of the way. I'd get it done quick. I'd get it. I'd get get beyond it, and then I would start nurturing the skills that I have.
2: I wish I, I could know. agree with you that I would do the same thing, and I respect that. <clears throat> uh, there's been some geniuses who have actually done that. I'm, the one I can't grasp, I don't think it was Elon, it was somebody else, but I truly would just try to be around the people that I wanted to be around that I could relate to, because I think I missed out on a lot of pure relationships mm. um, in the pursuit of just being cool and accepted mm. by like the highest group possible in my mind. I would yeah, have done profound. it. I would have done it. You know right, and had some really true friends to this point, but i I don't have them. I even went so far as every new situation I was in, I would like burn everything like if I was in a relationship, burn all the stuff that happened in that relationship. I moved from an apartment, I would leave everything on the street and go to the new place. Just uh, one, clear it out. Yeah, just everything. New, new start. Forget it. It's all done. I'm starting new here now. I get to be this person, you know. Even with this podcast, I mean, there are certain things that I that I've done that I can't recover from. That hopefully I can with maybe some of this therapy. Even between you and I, and with this podcast, people perceive me to be the serious guy, and mm-hmm. you to be the funny guy, right? My whole life, I've been like the funniest person that people know in that situation, depending on what I, what I get into. The reason my girl's with me is because she thinks I'm hilarious, right? But I started off on this as serious Jack and what's wrong with the operator? What's This guy's goofy, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so you kind of get stuck in that. I don't know. You see it often when you start a new job. You're like, oh, I got a fresh start here with these brand new people. If you hit and if you're a hit with them, you're like, okay, great. I can be myself. I can do all these goofy things that I normally do and I feel free and, and I accepted for the right reasons in this particular situation. Then you go to a new one that's a little bit tougher to break the code of becoming part of that group, say in that workplace, and you might change yourself a little bit to be accepted. And now you go for eight years of not being quite yourself and further and further, you kind of lose who your pure self is. Um I'm hoping with some, with therapy that I can run through all this kind of stuff and and recenter. And if I've lost a lot of it, fine. But the stuff that I've gained, uh, keep the positive stuff and, and try to get rid of some of the negatives.
3: You know, it's it's a very bold move you're making. Um, and you and I, we've talked enough about therapy to know yeah. that it's not what anybody thinks, right? It's no. And you think you're going to go in and, and somebody's going to be like, well, you know what your problem is. Hey, right. Here, look right here in this textbook. This is you. Mm-hmm. That It's not like that. It, basically, it's just arming yourself to be able to fit, to look at your past and learn from it and and move forward. It, yeah. The whole thing is about moving forward. It's never about the process of counseling is not to sit and just ruminate on the past. It's to know how to move forward. It's, yeah. It's very progressive.
2: How nice is it when you meet somebody that you can be yourself with? And from what I've learned so far just talking to this this counselor, this therapist, is that this is somebody that I have to be myself with. And how relieving is that to have a complete stranger I can talk to, and if I'm lying to him, I'm only doing myself a disservice. So I'm going to be completely honest and see what comes of it and see who I am afterwards, and I'm looking forward to it.
3: I— I suffer from, you know, I the moment I open my mouth on this, I'm like, no one's going to be able to relate with this. <laughs> <laughs> I But that's how I feel. I feel a lot of my life is that way. I feel like, eh, I don't know that I'm, I, I think by design, I I try not to be textbook. So maybe that's a, it's a problem. But I think I could benefit from counseling. Yeah.
2: Because. You totally could. Thank you. <laughs> here's, here's, From here's, the guy a- who hasn't even done any therapy yet, <laughs> he's just talked to the guy and he thinks he's already almost figured out. <laughs> I think I could.
3: Mine's the absolute opposite. In every situation since I can remember, like high school, um, I went on a mission yeah. and everything— people people put on the cloak of the 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 thing that they're doing you wore the high school cloak and you were a high school kid and you did high school activities and yeah. you did all the things i literally never wanted to be in high school from the moment i stepped in i looked to do other things i had an, i had a side job as a as a technical illustrator outside of school um, while i was doing that all of the sports that i chose to be in were were sports that i Literally started doing the moment I stepped out of school every day. Nothing was school oriented. Mm-hmm. I went on a mission, and this, like I said, no one, no one can relate with this, but
2: I'm it's sure my struggle.
3: Yeah. I, I go on a mission, and as a missionary, you're you you zero out your identity really, because what you're taking on is something bigger than you, right? And mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be sort of a vessel for a message. I guess is mm-hmm. a good way to put it. Everybody looks the same. If you've ever seen a missionary, you know, they're, they're white shirts and, yeah. and you know slacks and a tie and a black badge. And yeah. everybody's the same. I went on a mission and I tried to be Sam with a badge. Right. <laughs> it was not the right way to do things. And I struggled the whole time because of it. I struggled because I, I, I wasn't conforming. And I wasn't fighting anything. I wasn't like battling against this, 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 uh the mold. But mentally, ideologically, I, I, socially, I interacted in a way that was like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but I'm just me. I'm mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. That people, because one of the things with with missionaries is, if you've ever been around them, all, the, all their tags say elder. elder. Oh sister.
2: no, I hung out with some one day, man. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
3: So they all say that and they don't say their first name uh, and so people always are like what what's your, what's, what should I call you? And the response from missionaries is always oh, you should call me elder. And I didn't. They were like, "Well, what's what's your name? What should I call you?" And I'm like, "Well, my name's Sam." Yeah, awesome. <laughs> you know, and but it, but it ruined something. That I noticed that it ruined something. It it ruined the sanctity of that relationship. Uh okay. And I think I think being some people, the vessel
2: it humanized you and and hurt the purpose. You feel I think so. Well,
3: I was I was stealing it. I was stealing something that wasn't mine. I was supposed to be in high school. I was supposed to be a high school kid. I was supposed to go through the routine. I was supposed to go to all the classes. Right. I chose to go get a job outside of high school. That was a very adult job, you yeah. know, as an illustrator. And I tried to do everything that the system said. Well, no, just take it, take your time. Just do this thing for now. And I'm like, nah. I was an engineer at HP and I was everything but an engineer at HP. Right. I I I didn't follow my job description. And because of that, they were like, we don't know what to do with you. You're really talented and we really like you, but you're not doing your job job. You're doing all these other things, which we're grateful for, but we're not paying you for them. Yeah. And it was like my life was always that way. You know, it was always this weird, like I was forcing other issues when I didn't, I don't know. Uh, I could I probably it. do us some counseling.
2: You probably could. <laughs> it sounds like it. I'm not the right guy, but uh, I will be. And after a couple of sessions, I'll think I'm a counselor. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. We can get into a call. But no, I, yeah. I, I want to tell you one thing. Like in a, I, a big thing happened to me one time in a job interview. And I don't know why I said it, but it made the the one guy laugh. It was a principal of a school who I'm friends with now. And uh, I don't know why I said it, but I said, I don't know if I'm an extrovert or an introvert. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, right now, I feel like I'm extroverted. And I want to tell you guys that I don't think I'm like this all the time. I just feel comfortable around you. So they were asking me about my style and dealing mm-hmm. with kids. And then often what works for me is being quiet and allowing them to bring it out of them. But then sometimes, depending on the kid, it's overtaking them and showing them that I'm not afraid to be as open as I could possibly be. So maybe I'll get a little bit out of them that way. But in me making that statement, I basically said, I don't know who I am. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> profound, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh anyways, I think through through some counseling you might be able to figure out who you who you uh truly are by delving into some of the things that you've gone through that you've never really quite put a finger on. If you've been molested or if you've gone if you've been abused, if you've um, seen abuse, um a simple way of looking at your life is like, well, that's it. Like, I was affected by that, and I've become who I am through that. But mm. just by asking me the question of, like, talk about your friendships, and then you asking me that question just now about my friendships, I'm like, oh, wait, that's a piece that I haven't been ruminating yeah. on. That's a piece that I haven't been going over and over again in my mind. Just the really outstanding bad stuff I've been focused on. And maybe there's pieces there that I need to unpack that will help unlock my true self and meet that person again. And go forward fresh um, and be able to truly leave the stuff behind, not just burning it and trying to forget about it, but unpacking it and leaving it unpacked and, and left behind and taking some of the stuff that I want to take with me as well. You know, when you say that instantly, I'm like,
3: okay, if I apply that same logic, uh, what attracted me to wanting to go get a job in high school that was so mature, that was so much more than... Anybody would expect out of a high school kid. Why? Why did I feel the need to do that? Why did I feel the need to be myself instead of the guy behind the badge? You know, right? Why? why, Or or just let the badge be me? Why? Why did I do that? Why am I the operator?
2: Right. Well, (laughs) dude, kind of creeps me out. You need therapy. Shut up, because I'm about to cry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm about to send you a link to my boy. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no. Too All many right. questions. Yeah, no, man. that's... Ugh.
3: Interesting. All right. Well, speaking of crying, though, I, yeah. I got to be honest. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just my frame of mind lately or whatever, but this one teared me up a bit when I was writing it, so I don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen.
2: Great. Yeah.
3: Anyway, hey, hey, Luna, have you ever heard the phrase, come hell or high water before?
2: It, yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: You always hear it from, like, a parent where they're like, we're going to Dairy Queen, but if you guys don't shut your mouths, come hell or high water, we're going home.
2: (laughs) I don't think we all have heard, again, therapy, but go ahead. (laughs) Right.
3: Come hell or high water came just, like, three milliseconds before the backhand.
2: Um, (laughs) The the stick of butter got stuffed in your mouth.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everyone knows Uh, how that feels. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Well, although the term, it, it sounds like it could have been uttered by the likes of like Shakespeare. Ugh. Fuck, man. I'll have you this. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll relieve you of the stress of thinking that I was going to do another
2: long monologue. I've, I've actually been reading. I've been reading some Shakespeare. Have you? Yeah, I I'd like Shakespeare, but uh, I just, anyways, I don't think it's what kids need yeah. in school. That's all. They
3: they don't, and and not on a podcast either. No. I learned my lesson, so I, we're not going to go into Shakespeare. I promise you. Okay. But so, in fact, though. The phrase, come hell or high water, originates in the USA in the mid-1800s. Drovers, uh, which is what you call someone who drives cattle or sheep for a, lot, for a living, they would literally go through the most life-threatening landscapes, i.e. hell, uh, and through any river or any body of water they encountered to drive their cattle to their destination, they were motivated by the price of cattle to the Californians during much of the gold rush and development of towns and cities after the gold rush. A head of cattle, for example, in Texas could have brought 5 or $10 a head back then. But if you could get that same animal to California, it had raised $20 a head. Hmm. Yeah. So the average cattle drive contained around 3,000 head of cattle. That'd be a purse of roughly $60,000 if you get them all there alive. Mm. And come hell or high water, those drovers did their darndest. Yeah, crazy. Um,. crazy crazy <laughs> i should i should start a history podcast where that's how i end yeah. like the like the the information i gave you wasn't profound enough yeah. i have to end it with a hyperbole every time <laughs> right. crazy self awareness <laughs> we're making progress here up <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, this show's never going to get off the ground. It's always <laughs> changing. It just becomes a counseling session. What yes. am I saying? It's been a counseling session for you and I it is. forever. So. It is.
2: Yeah. Mm. From the start. All
3: right. Well, today's call is one where fast action and the calmest of nerves and a few good stories end up saving the day. It was Monday, August 20th, 2013, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Do you know what's interesting about this date, and particularly in history? Nope. I'm going to tell you.
2: (laughs) It's crazy, <laughs>
3: crazy. Believe it, believe it or not. On that same day, back in nineteen eighty-six, we had one of the first incidences that ushered in the idiom that we all know today: "going postal." Uh, We've heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, eighty-six. A mail carrier in Edmond, Oklahoma, shot fourteen fellow workers dead on that same day. Back in eighty-six. But that was 1986. This is 2013. We'd advanced in our society by this point. Postal worker murders aren't a thing. They're a thing of the past. Just kidding. In April of 2013, a 19-year-old postal worker gunned down five of his co-workers before killing himself. Just a stoner's throw away from where today's call takes
2: place. Okay, can I, can I step in here before you go into Yeah. The <clears throat> <Man. clears throat> not that we uh, haven't wasted enough time already. But recently, I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld. It's the only show that I find that makes me just feel like really like kind of dead calm. And I can smoke a little bit of weed and watch it with my girl and we'll eat. And, and just like not, you know, it's very relaxing. It's nostalgic. I realized watching recently Newman, who was a postal worker, is with Jerry in the one episode. They're at the Super Bowl. They ended up there together. And he's talking about how unlabeled boxes coming to the post office are like, freebies! You know, what's that mean, Jerry? Freebies! (laughs) And he's got like a VCR, and he's got like all this crap. So anyways, there's a future episode where Kramer and Elaine have a dispute And they go to Newman because he's like this outside guy who doesn't care about anybody. And he's judging who should get this bike. And I'm watching this scene and I realize... Newman's whole apartment is furnished with this wacky stuff. Like behind him, he's got a poster of the four food groups, and we immediately <laughs> bought a four food groups poster to put into our kitchen after, after this. Actually, in the bathroom because it's just so silly, right? And then he's got he's got a lamp with like a duck on it, and then he's got like a popcorn making machine, and and he's got um, a crock pot that has um, like a cow. Stripes on pattern on on the side of it. (laughs) And I go to uh, my girl. I'm like, he's furnished his entire apartment off of those freebies he was talking about. (laughs) Like he works at the post office and the unlabeled boxes. He's furnished his apartment with all the stuff. Like, how brilliant is that? And and, and don't they th- don't
3: just say anything. They don't say anything. They just let you figure it
2: out. And I was so stoned, right? I'm like, I don't think anybody's recognized this. I'm sure that people that are doing the show obviously know what's going on. So we go and we're searching for it. We couldn't find it anywhere uh, except for this one Reddit post. So someone else did figure it out. But but Newman from Seinfeld's apartment is furnished with all of the stuff that he got as freebies uh, from unlabeled boxes working as a postal worker, man. <laughs> that maybe me, gave me so much joy to figure that out.
3: Those Easter eggs. Like yeah. that's a significant thing too. And that they never said anything about it. I mean, yeah. that's those are best kept secrets. This yeah. crazy
2: stuff. It, crazy.
3: Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh anyway, so yeah, call. this this uh this last postal worker incident took place just a stoner's throw away mm-hmm. from where today's call takes place. But enough distracting with stories yeah. of postal workers, Luna. This this one isn't about some terrible shooting that took place at one of our federal buildings. No, this one is terribler and takes place at Ronald E. McNair Discovery Learning Academy. This was a school for pre-kindergarten through fifth grade. And Michael Brandon Hill, age 19, hadn't been taking his meds. And instead of picking up his prescription, he picked up someone else's ak 47 hmm. Okay, and in case you're worried that I'm about to play a call where a shooter shoots up an elementary school, I can assure you of two things. I am, but it won't end like you think. All right. And you will walk away from this one better off for having heard it. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> wow. but trust me, this call is worth it. All right, let's see how this call plays out, shall we? Yes. Okay, here we go.
1: He can't have police your emergency. Yes, ma'am. I'm on 2nd Avenue in the school, and the gentleman said tell them to hold down. The police officers are coming, and he said he's going to start shooting, so tell him to back off. Okay, one moment. Do not let anybody in the building, including the police. Do not let anybody in the building, including the police. Okay, stay on the line with me, ma'am. Where are you? I'm in the front office. Oh, he just went outside and started shooting. Okay. Oh, can I run? Where you can you get somewhere safe? Yeah, I gotta go. No, he's gonna see me running there and call me back. Oh, hold on. Put the oh, phone down. Bye. Okay, she said that she's she's getting a police now to tell him to back off for you, okay? Tell to stop all movement. Okay. Okay. Stop all movement now on the ground. Stop all movement on the ground. If it's not an emergency, please do not use the radio. If it's not an emergency, do not use the radio. Are you talking to the shooter? Yes, he's telling me to tell them on the radio. Okay. Now, what did you want me to tell her, sir? Okay, tell me, to put your home, call the news, ma'am. Okay. What you want me to tell you want me i I'm trying to find a number for Channel Two. Okay, you want me to tell them to come up? Hello? Yes, Hello? ma'am. Yes ma'am please? Yes, ma'am. He said tell them to back up right now. Okay. Okay, hold on. Okay. Hello? Hey, ma'am. Okay. He said he said to tell them to back off. He doesn't want the kids. He wants the police. So back off and um and what else, sir? He said he don't care if he's down, he don't have nothing to live for. And he said he's not mentally stable. Okay, stay on the line with me, okay? Put the phone down if you have to, but don't put it on hold so I can't hear. Okay. He tell me where you are? In the front office with him. Okay. She said, he said, send in one of your radios with an unarmed officer. Okay. She said, okay, she's getting ready to tell them. Or somewhere that he, he can talk to the police. He said, but if they come on, he's going to start shooting again. Okay. Only one officer. Okay. She said, he said, if you have to go ahead and evacuate them homes right there in the front of the building. Okay. okay. Ask him if he willing to give his name. She said, are you willing to give your name? He said, no. Okay. He said, no, he, know, he he knows that if he gets his name, he's going away for a long time. And he said, you he know, he's going away for a long time. He's on probation. Tell them to stand, them to stand down now. Okay. Tell them to stand down now, he said. Okay, tell him I'm giving the instructions. She said she's giving the instructions. She, he said that he should just shoot himself. He said, call, "He said, call the probational office in DeKalb County and let them know what's going on." Okay. And who are we asking for? He said, "She said, who is she asking for?" He said, "You think it's Officer Scott?" Okay. Okay. You want me to let them, let her get by? The emergency. Yes. Hello? Yes. Yes, I'm here. You want me to tell her to let, that, let her come, sir? She sounds like she loves you a lot. You're on the phone with a relative? Yes. What you say, sir? He, she, he said he should have just went to the mental hospital instead of doing this because he's not on his medication. Okay. Well, do you, you want me to try? I can help you. You want me to try? You want me, to, you want me to, you want to talk to them? Want me to talk to them and try to? Okay, well, let me talk to them and let, let's see if we can work it out so that you don't have to go away with them for a long time. No, it does matter. I can let them know that you have not tried to harm me or do anything with me or anything if you want to. But that doesn't make any difference. You didn't hit anybody. So, Okay, let me ask you this, ma'am. He didn't hit anybody. He just shot outside the door. If I walk out there with him, if I walk out there with him if they, so they won't shoot him or anything like that, he wants to give himself up. Is that okay and they won't shoot him? Yes, and ma'am. And he said he just want to go to the hospital? Okay. She said, "Hold on, one moment, okay." okay. She said, "Hold on, and we going. She's going to talk to the police officer, and I'll go out there with you." Well, don't feel bad, baby. My husband just left me after thirty-three years. But yes, you do. I mean, I'm sitting here with you and talking to talking to you about it. I got a son that's multiple disabled. Let me. Can I speak to her? Uh-huh. Let me talk. Let me talk to her. And let her know that I'm gonna go with you. You want me to talk to her? No, you didn't, baby. This, this all gonna be well. The lady's gonna talk to the police. Okay. 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 Hold on. Hold on a second. Okay. Uh huh. Don't don't hang up the phone. Okay, hold on. He wants me to go over here to the intercom. So hold on for me, okay? Okay. Okay, wait a minute. So can you talk to the police and let them know that I'm gonna walk out there with him and he wants to give himself up? Okay, I am. Let me get an okay from them, okay? Okay. And what are you and you let me know what we need to do? He wants me to go All on the intercom and let everybody know that he saw me, okay? Okay. Okay, hold on. It's okay. <laughs> okay let me Everybody, this is a, this is still in the scene with lockdown, the gun is on the know, he is solid, he does not want to harm anybody, everybody stay in place, since the lockdown is over with, okay. You want me to leave it, you want to lead it right here? Okay, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay, he's going to come on out, but I, he, he wants to know what do you want him to do with the gun? Okay. If they, or, or you want to send a, pol- a police officer in and he said he'll be on the ground with his hands behind his back and I'll take the gun from him and put it over here on the other side by me. Okay, one more. Okay. Put, yeah, put all that over here so that way they won't see it, okay? Come over here and put it over here on this. Okay. Put it all up there, okay. He's put the weapons down? Yeah. So hold on before you come, he's putting everything down, Thanks. so and he's going to get on the floor, so tell him to hold on a minute. So let him get everything together, he's getting it all together. Okay, tell me when you're ready, and then I tell him to come on in. Okay, he wants to drink his bottle of water, so let him drink his, let, let him get it together. He's okay. 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 Did you want me to call somebody talk to somebody for you? Okay. We're not gonna hate you, baby. It's a good thing that you that you've given up. So we're not gonna hate you. Okay. Ma'am, you're doing a great job. So let's do it before the helicopters and stuff like that come. So they hear you hear them? Okay. So would you want to go ahead and want me to tell them to come on in now? Okay, he's getting everything out of his pockets now. Okay. Okay, he said the gun may come back and say it's stolen, but it's not. He knows the whole story about the gun, and he'll let you all know that. Okay. Do y'all want him to take his belt off? That's fine. Just take all his weapons off. Okay, she said that's fine. Take all your weapons off. Your. He, she said you don't have no more weapons. Okay. Okay. So you gonna Okay, he on the ground now with his hands behind the back. Tell the officers don't come in with any gun don't no come in shooting or anything so they can come on in and I'll buzz them in. Okay. So hold on, just sit right there and I'm gonna buzz them in, okay? So you'll know when they coming, okay? Okay. So just stay there calm, don't worry about it. I'm gonna sit right here so they'll see that you try not to harm me, okay? Okay. Okay. It's going to be all right, sweet. I just want you to know that I love you, though, okay? And I'm proud of you. That's a good thing that you just given up, and don't worry about it. We all go through something in life. No, you don't want that. You're going to be okay. I thought the same thing. You know, I tried to commit suicide last year after my husband left me. But look at me now. I'm still working, and everything is okay. Your name is Michael what? Michael Hill? When the weather in the, in the harbor? The people came from Inner Harbor and planted a gun? Or oh, the drums from Inner Harbor? Oh, okay, so you came with the kids that played the drums for the Inner Harbor? Oh, for Red Women Week, so you was actually in there doing all of that with them. Oh, how awesome! So that means I, I seen. So that means I seen you before then. Oh, okay. Y'all yeah, play them drums and stuff real good. Okay, he said that they can come on in now. He needs to go to the hospital. Okay. And he doesn't have any weapons on him. Or anything like that. He's laying on the floor, and he doesn't have any weapons. Or he's got everything out of his pocket. There, there's no. Um, the only thing he has on is his belt. Everything is out of his pocket, Everything is sitting here on the counter. So all we need to do is, is they can just come and I'm gonna buzz them in, so he'll know that they're here, and everything. And they can come on in and get him, and take him to the hospital. Okay, one moment. Okay. Yeah, she said she's going to let them know. She's talking to them now to let them know to come on there and to take you to the hospital, okay? No, you stay right there. you fine. He said, do you want him to go right there with his hands up or you want him to I stay want, right here? Stay right where he is. Okay, she said stay right there where you are. Guess what? Um, he wants to know, can he get some of his water right quick? Yes, uh, yes Michael. You said Michael Hill, right? Okay. Guess what, Michael? My last name is Hill, too. You know, my mom was a Hill. He said, what are y'all waiting for? What's taking them so long to come on? Okay. One moment. She said she's getting to them now. They're coming. They're coming. So just hold on, Michael. Go ahead and lay down. For their... Go ahead and lay down. Don't put your phone. Okay, you just got your phone? Okay, that's fine. Tell them to come on. Come on. Okay, he just got his phone. That's all he got is his phone. <laughs> it's just it's him. him. Okay. It's just him. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yes. I'm telling you something, babe. I ain't been so scared of these in my life. But you did great. Ooh, Jesus.
2: Oh my gosh. Oh my god! I mean, I, I friggin' cried. Yeah, it's <sighs> too much. It's too much. I mean, have you ever like heard something so like powerful? But like she was so confident? I mean, that I'm. Yeah. I, I've stepped out on a few nine one one calls. I'm so happy that I stepped back in for this one because because <laughs> I get really. You know, I think everybody can can you know, they're probably feeling the same way about that. That was one of the most amazing things I've heard in my entire life.
3: That last five seconds just speaks volumes about the humanity and strength that she had on that. Like, just to be able to hold it that together. Yeah. And and also to show that much compassion and love. Yeah. For somebody, there were no it was yeah. just her and him her yeah. and him
2: she was so perfect like she could have been a yeah. hostage, hostage negotiator right um, you know I think about that one call we had where that Muslim man I believe he went into the temple and the girl I think she, she was from China she was freaking out and caused the whole situation to go kablooey right yeah um, imagine she was the one on the phone right how much worse that would have gone
3: yeah, but I mean, just just how how calm. You never know how he was going to react, but she chose compassion.
2: Yeah, and she and, mothered him. Maybe yeah. it was something that he didn't have in his life too, right? Like when I was listening, I would have listened to that woman too. In the in the first part of it, I was like, whoa. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Wait, that's the girl on the call running this? Yeah. It sounds like she's taking an order at Denny's or at McDonald's over, over mm-hmm. you know, the microphone. Yeah. That's the way it sounds. So, honey, what do you right. want? What's going on here? <laughs> <I> like, <know. laughs> oh' wow. It's crazy.
3: All right, well, let, let's dig into this a little bit. Yeah. All right. So, in July, this was August mm-hmm. of 2013, in July... Uh, Michael had been charged with making terroristic threats, which is a felony in Georgia. Uh, He was given three years probation and was required to attend anger management classes. Due to the felony nature of that charge, he would have been barred from legally possessing a firearm in this incident, obviously. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think you can legally possess a firearm and then go show up to a school and shoot it. I don't think any of that's legal, but I, I think what they're saying is he he shan't be capable of possessing a
2: firearm. Since, since that call was so long, just even for myself here, so where where are we in this situation again? This is at a school? This is at a school. Yeah, Ronald E.
3: McNair Discovery Learning Academy, which is for pre-K, pre-kindergarten. Right. Through fifth grade, so these are the littlest of the littles.
2: And what that kind are of school? And what kind of gun does he have? Again, what kind of gun? Yeah,
3: so AK forty seven. Jeez. And AK forty seven. For people that don't know, uh, the clothes... The apples-to-apples comparison that people make often is AR-15, which is very American, and AK-47, which is very terrorist-looking. The difference between them is apples-to-oranges, though. The AK-47 is a much more powerful weapon. Um, There was a YouTube video that I watched a while back, AK-47 versus AR-15, and your car. Mm -hmm. And they were shooting at the outside of the car at at a certain distance, and they were shooting toward the car, shooting into the door panel to see the impact and what we're talking about. The AR-15 made it into the first door uh, and futzed out somewhere inside the car most of the time. The AK-47 Passed through every single door of the car and out the other end. Right. It's a very, very powerful weapon. Um, yeah, I think probably enough said about that. Well, but-
2: just, just to paint the picture, I mean, this is what she's staring down. And this is how yes. calm she is behaving with that type of weapon. I mean, if it was anybody else, I feel like almost anybody else, they would be freaking out in that situation. But she... Anyways, we heard the call. I don't need to—we we all know what she did here. So composed. Also, it, it's
3: not hyperbole to say she's dealing with someone that could do anything at any moment. Well, so yeah. she's dealing with someone who she can't even, you know, predict what this person's going to do because of his mental state. Yet, she just plows forward with her approach that she's got. Yes.
2: Well, as soon as she got a foothold with him, she mm-hmm. took control. She took absolute control. I mean, she was asking the operator questions and answering those questions before she got an answer, just to show that she's doing the in-between work. And really, it was an incredible piece of negotiative work, and she's clearly—that's not her job, you know? No, not at all. She just found this talent. She had it. You know, she was was human. Yeah. Wow. Really, I think that's the talent, is— She was human.
3: If you, I think if you went and talked to negotiators, they would tell you the first and foremost rule is be a human. Yeah. That's, that talks people off buildings before any gotcha kind of strategy or anything like that. Absolutely. Um, all right, well, I'll give you a little more in backstory. So Michael's brother, Timothy, said that the July charge stemmed from Michael's threatening to shoot him. So this terroristic threat charge that he got was because... Michael had threatened Timothy. He agreed, though, that there was no way his brother could have legally bought the weapon through a licensed firearm dealer. He said he had to get them from buying them off the streets or something. There's no possible way a gun store would sell them to him with his mental history. Um, Michael's birth mother had died earlier in his life, and he had never knew his father A pastor's family had welcomed him into their home for many months prior to the shooting after he had started attending their little church. Uh, He'd never displayed any kind of behavior like this toward them during that time. Uh, However, there are records of felony threats and a burglary charge back when he was 15. So naturally, the, the kids, he's got mental issues, he's got family issues, those are going to manifest themselves in some way, and in this in this case, it's you know there's some there's some miscreant deeds, right?
2: You know, and, and Michael's white, right? Michael's as white as you can get, and the caller was uh, African American lady, a black woman. It's, yes, she was. It, wow, man just what wow she mothered she mothered or sistered the hell out of him there and it all seemed so I'm sorry to go back to this but it it was very genuine. But what really got me, a few things got me there. I was like freaking in tears. You know I'm an ugly crier, Rob. But <laughs> the the thing at the end that really got me was her going, I've never been so scared in my life. Yeah. And she didn't sound scared, man.
3: Not at all. Amazing. And I, I, I appreciate that you brought up their skin color because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the reason you brought it up was because this had... All about humanness. Yes. About that's it the is. that's the recipe here. And that race and all the complexities that go along with it had nothing to no. th- they were not at bear in this relationship at all. This were two humans dealing with each other. And that, that's what made this amazing and beautiful yeah. and frightening all in the same, you know? Yeah. So I think it'd be wrong, obviously, to say that there's a look. The, uh, to those who suffer from mental illnesses like the ones that Michael suffers from. But when you look at his mugshots, you see emptiness. Mm-hmm. And although there are years between some of his mugshots, the same empty, expressionless face is present throughout the gallery of inmate roster images that you see when you look him up. So just prior to the shootings, uh, he'd mo- actually moved in with another family from the church that he was attending. Uh, police suspect that Michael had stolen the rifle from someone he was acquainted with. Um, so, okay, at this point, Luna, before we advance with this story, is there anything that you'd like to add? Anything that might sponsor your outlook on this story? Maybe a promotion of your thoughts, if you will?
2: <laughs> now, I just say that since I've been gone, this podcast has become very commercial. <laughs>
4: Perfect.
3: And with that, we bring you some ads. We got to pay the bills.
4: Sounds good. Sounds <laughs> solid. Uh,
3: okay, back to the call. And this amazing woman who ended up calling 911 and stuffing Michael's plans of destruction. Her name, and this should always be remembered, is Antoinette Tough. Oh, man. That's right. Her last name is Tough. <laughs> And she is every bit of her last name. Come hell or high water, she was not only going to make sure that she made it out alive, but she was determined to see that Michael made it out alive. Upon Michael's entrance into Antoinette's front office area, he didn't say, you all are going to die today. He said, we all are going to die today. At that moment, Antoinette recounts, I saw him as a 20-year-old man standing in front of me that was younger than my children and saying to me that he hadn't taken his medicine (sighs) and that he should just kill himself. Two days before that, my principal and assistant principal at school helped save my life. So to me, I knew that I needed to help save his life. I was saying to myself, God, what do I say? How do I say it? Every word that proceeds out of my mouth right now is life or death, not just for me, but for all of us that are involved. So give me the words to say, no more, no less, that this young man may be able to see you in the process oh of it all. Oh,
2: God. And, you know, it almost makes you believe in God, but uh, it's it's um, she just let it rip, and it was from the heart. And and again, very very human. And if such things exist, truly it happened in this circumstance because every word that came out of her mouth, she was blowing me away. I was like, is is she reading this from like a textbook on how to deal with this one particular person in this one particular situation between these two particular human beings? Everything was so perfect that she was doing and it, it was straight from the heart. It was exactly what was necessary.
3: She communicated to the rest of the school to clear the school of the 800-plus children and all of the teachers. The doors behind her front office and the rest of the school had been closed and locked during the evacuation to try and prevent um, Michael from entering the main school area. So this just left Michael and Antoinette alone in the front office of the school Antoinette in her seat and Michael anxiously looking out the window into the school parking lot, gun in hand and 500 rounds of ammunition in tow. Wow. Yeah. Antoinette set to work on de-escalating things with Michael. Although she had called 911 and was directing things like the multitasker that she was wired to be, she began telling Michael about herself. You heard her talk about her marriage that had fallen apart after over 30 years, the immense struggles that she had endured starting her own business, and about the pressure she felt in raising her children, one of whom has severe disabilities. But even with all those odds that weighed her down, there was something even more immense that she was shouldering. Michael had just stepped into the school, stating that he didn't want to live anymore. Those words rang true to Antoinette as just two days prior, she had attempted to take her own life. Jeez. Amidst the struggles of losing her marriage after her husband had cheated on her and gone through with a divorce, a divorce just a few months prior, mm. but instead of like maybe many of us would have men- melting down, she dug deep, and the byproduct is the call that you just heard. It's a poignant reminder of her fortitude. The last five seconds of that call are so telling of the weight that was laid on her shoulders. She had made it through. Michael had made it through without the loss of any life, and now, for the first time, the magnitude of that situation hit her, and she began to sob. Michael was given 20 years for aggravated assault on a police officer. During Mm -hmm. his court proceedings, his mental health was constantly weighed by the judge, as you would expect. You know, is this person fit to be stand trial? Is he Mm -hmm. unfit? You know, he was sentenced to serve his time, and I have to add to that, that I couldn't find his current whereabouts. There, there could be several reasons for this, one of which might be that he was actually given a modified sentence that offers him some mental health treatment. And once that kind of scenario plays out, the individual's records become obscured from public record. It's both a bit maybe unsettling, but also for a kid like Michael, I hope it ends up being the respite and maybe the resolution that helps him.
2: Can I uh, ask you, <clears throat> I missed, where does this aggravated assault on a police officer come in in this whole situation? When did he do that? I think it must have had to do with the shooting. Uh, the out window. Out the windows. Uh, yeah, yes. He,
3: he, I think there was a police officer out there okay. that, that was something they could tie uh, this to. So.
2: so he was like scaring off the cops with shots that could possibly have hit them. It's almost... It's close to like an attempted murder charge almost, but an aggravated assault on a police
1: officer. Aggravated
3: assault, I think, was as high as they were able to go and know that they can make it stick. Attempted murder might be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Also, knowing that they were constantly balancing, man, this guy might might not even stand trial.
2: Yeah. Uh, You know, if the judge sees that he's mentally unfit. So they had to stick the thing that makes the most sense to give him the most amount of time, because this is uh, an egregious thing that he did. Yeah.
3: yeah, and I think it's it's really hard to hear a story where someone walks into a school with a rifle like he did and we're asked to find compassion for the shooter. Yeah. But I believe that both Antoinette and Michael were the best selves that they could both uh, muster that day. Was, yeah. Mm, in both of their darkest moments... Sorry. Uh, they decided to both take a step forward instead of backwards, regardless of their respective places in life. Both, in their own spheres, were dealing with demons. And although the scene is a tragic one, it could have been so much worse. The pieces of both of their lives were shattered on the floor at that moment, but in that moment, it seems that both decided to pick up a piece toward repairing the status of their lives one was an unsuspecting hero and the other an unlikely monster both took a pause that day and lived to tell about it uh today antoinette is a survivor she's an author and a speaker that shares her story and her journey with others to inspire them to move for success. There was a TV show made about her harrowing experience, and her story's been covered on pretty much every major network from Euro- the U.S. to Europe at this point.
2: Oh, man. Well, great job. Uh, <clears throat> that was an amazing. I, I mean, he, he, I almost want to say I wish there were more like it, but no, I don't. Yeah. Um. It. Uh, <coughs> he... He clearly wanted to get into that school and just make a make a large um, impact, negative impact on the world. Maybe reflecting the negative experience that he'd had in life, and uh, he met something positive at the door, and it extinguished it. And that's uh, that's an amazing thing. It's
3: rare. It's really rare. I think it's rare that uh, that someone was prepared to meet the measure of the catastrophe that w- that they were faced. That, uh, you know, in so many cases, you couldn't expect any more from a whole school full of administrative staff to oh. just protect the kids, get them out, move them out, out of harm's way. You know, there's, a, there's a, all the procedures. And in the, this case, Antoinette... Uh, I she was trash. She she literally was not in a position where any of that protocol was going to play out like it should have. And yeah. and sh- she had to she dealt with it like a soldier. She dealt with it like how do you what do you do in the face of absolute death?
2: Yeah. Amazing, man. Do you know what the name of, is of that made for TV movie? I'm sure people can yeah. find it. You do? Yeah, it's
3: it was made in 2018. Uh, and it's called Faith Under Fire. Wow.
2: I'm going to watch and, that tonight.
3: Yeah, I believe that she is played by Tony Braxton. So... <laughs> really? uh, but, right. but otherwise... I'm <laughs> just kidding. No. Um, yeah, so check that out. There. She has a book out. If you go to Antoinette T-U-F-F dot mm-hmm. com, you can find out all about her. She She speaks... Uh, she she speaks to people. She's written a book. Um, just so many things. And such, you know, man, you think about that. Just life full of struggles. Yeah. So many things. And this one thing puts a lens on her actual character which shows the rest of the world what character she had. You know, this character that we all should have known about anyway. We all should have known about Antoinette Mm -hmm. Tuff before this happened Mm -hmm. because of what she's going through, but it took this,
2: you know. She also showed what type of character to show. Like, a lot lot of people in that situation would try to fake what she did, uh, which was real, to manipulate him into dropping that gun. But because it was real, he couldn't deny that, and... There was only one outcome, unless he was the monster, uh, unless he truly was a monster, and, and he clearly it, wasn't.
3: I think, I think you're right. I think that at the point where he was in his life, you know bullying had happened. You know right. that, that uh, isolation had happened, that all of these things. But I have to probably give some credit to the families that took him in because mm-hmm. they must have imbued in him— Compassion yes. and understanding of what it looks like when someone is being Absolutely. truthful and compassionate to you. And mm. I think he recognized that and that disarmed him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you man. Know? Amazing. It was, a, that was, that was truly amazing, man. That was crazy. That was freaking <laughs> crazy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, hey, man. how about a happy ending Oh, God. I feel, I feel pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it.
3: Okay. Yeah. I don't know how we beat that one. Oh, I've mm. got an idea. Mm. Hey, Luna. Hmm. Have you ever delivered a baby over a phone while on a call with nine one one, and then named the baby Layla?
2: Actually, yeah, man. You Back did. when I was seventeen, no, well, I didn't. That's crazy. I never, that's crazy, bro. <laughs> Freaking Weird. everything's lining up today, Layla. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, weird. She's well, this
3: dude had that happen to him. Let's listen in as this dispatcher and a dude earn dual doctorate degrees in pediatric doctoring. This one has it all. A lack of doctors, a pregnant lady, a dude, a dispatcher, a shoelace, and a baby. <laughs> Sit back and relax. Just kidding. You're only going to need the edge of your seat for this one. <laughs> you ready for me to play?
2: I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. Claude 911, what's the location of your
4: emergency? 3328, Police Springs, Poston, Minnesota, Georgia, 30144. Repeat that for confirmation. Yeah, 3328, Police Springs, Poston, Northwest. Okay. Do you need police or medical? Medical. Okay. My wife just uh, was doing the labor and she lot water broke already. Okay. Really, really strong. Exactly. Gotcha.
0: Is that a house or an apartment? It's a house. Off of old Highway 41?
4: Yeah, just across okay. the Northside High School. Okay.
0: What's your name and phone number, sir, and I'm going to start help.
4: Okay. My name is Nader Saba. N-A-D-R. S-A-D-R-A. And your phone number? My phone number is six seven eight four six nine thirteen
0: seven five. How far along is your wife?
4: Oh, she was due on Saturday. But she didn't have anything happening really until later this morning, so I was having well, I guess the water broke this morning and woke her up. Okay.
0: Stay on the line stay on the line with me. I've started health, okay? Just stay with me. We're going to help her until the paramedics get there. You bet. Um, one second. Are you with her now?
4: Yeah, yeah. She's in front
0: of me. How old is she?
4: right now. She's starting to
0: Okay. Is she awake?
4: Yes, yeah, she's awake, she's breathing, okay. I mean, we, we would have normally just gotten in the car and got to the hospital
0: or she couldn't, couldn't get it to Okay, hospital. can you see any part of the baby now? Uh, no, she's actually laying on her side. Okay. But, and you said that she is having contractions?
4: Yes. Okay, we're going to go
0: over a series of questions, so just stay with me, okay? No, I got you. Is this her first delivery? No, this is third. Third, okay. And how many minutes apart are the contractions, Favor?
4: we got the counter, what we're doing on the phone, and really they're coming in pretty frequently now, every minute. So you'd say two
0: minutes or less?
4: Yeah, less than, okay. than two minutes.
0: Is there any serious bleeding?
4: No serious bleeding. Okay.
0: Yeah. Does she have any high risk complications? Of course. No, she
4: doesn't.
0: Okay. Okay. Stay with me. They're on the way. Okay. I'm going to give you some instructions. Tell her to not to try to prevent the birth, okay? Do not try to prevent the birth. Do not sit on the toilet. Allow her to assume the most comfortable position and have her take deep breaths between contractions. Keep
4: her on. Okay. Say that again. Okay.
0: Okay just assume the most comfortable position. What's your wife's name? Mel. Mel? Okay, Mel, they're on the way, kiddo. They're coming to you. I want you to assume the most comfortable position and take deep breaths between contractions, okay? Okay, I want her to get on her back in the center of the bed or the floor, and I'm going to tell you guys how to deliver the baby. Uh, okay. Lay her on, lay on her back in the center of the bed or the floor, okay? Make sure all the clothing below her waist is removed. Oh Raise her head with pillows, but don't let her sit up. Paper, listen to me. Ra- okay. Raise her head with pillows, but don't let her sit up or go to the bathroom. Okay. I want you to get some dry towels and a blanket to wrap the baby in and get a string or a shoelace to tie around the umbilical cord. Okay. All right, just stay with me. Go get a dry towel and blankets. Go get some dry towels and a blanket and get a string or a shoelace to tie around the umbilical cord after delivery and get a safety pin also if you have. Okay. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to do that? No. 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 Okay. Is she pushing or straining? No, she's not. The baby's just coming out. Okay. Can you see part of the baby? Her head is out. Okay. All right. With each contraction, place the palm of your hand against her vagina and apply firm but gentle pressure to keep the baby's head from delivering too fast or tearing her. Do you understand?
4: Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. As the baby delivers, support the baby's head and shoulders and hold its hips and legs firmly. Remember, the baby will be slippery, so don't drop it. Okay. Okay? Okay. Were you able to get clean, dry towels, something clean to put the baby in? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is the baby completely out? No, her head is out for sure. Okay. Have her push hard to get the baby out. Push, push, going Oh, her shoulder's out. Oh, my God. Ah! Oh, she's out. Ah! Okay. All right. Keep the baby between the mother's legs and level with her bottom. Okay? Is the baby crying or breathing? Yeah, Okay, y'all are doing fine. Gently wipe off the baby's mouth and nose. Dry the baby off with a clean, dry towel. Then wrap the baby in another clean, dry towel. You're doing fine, okay? Cover the baby's head, but not its face. And, And without pulling the cord tight, put the baby down between the mother's legs. Level with her bottom. Be sure the cord is not wrapped around the baby's neck. Be sure to keep the baby and the mother warm, okay? okay. You're doing great. You're doing great, guys. Okay, Faber, listen to me, okay? Yes. We're going to yes. watch the baby closely for three minutes, and then we're going to tie the cord with a string, okay? Without pulling the cord, so wait wait for three minutes, Okay. So just make sure now that you have every you wipe the baby's nose and mouth. Okay? Mm -hmm. And keep the baby warm, keep your wife warm, okay? And we're just gonna hold for three minutes and then we're gonna do something with the cord, okay? Do you have a shoelace? I can get one. Okay. If you can do it safely but don't do anything with it until I tell you to, okay? Is it a boy or a girl? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't
1: believe <laughs> it
0: yeah. You guys are doing great. Congratulations. Is it a boy or a girl? It's a girl. It's a girl. Oh, Congratulations. That's what they told us. <laughs> we have
4: yeah, they're going to
0: be surprised. Okay. If you can, Saber, just make sure that your front door is unlocked, okay? We're doing fine. We still have time before we have to do anything with the cords, so just um, continue to, to keep everybody warm. And if you can, step away to unlock the door for the paramedics. If you have any pets... If you guys have any dogs or cats, go ahead and put them away. Good. If you have any dogs or cats, go ahead and put them away. Oh no, we don't. Okay, you're doing great. Doing great. How's mom? Good. Really good. Yeah. And how's the y'all are doing? Terrific! Congratulations, kiddos. How's the baby? <laughs> doing good. Okay, good. Just keep everybody dry and warm. Okay, I'm gonna give you some instructions, favor for the umbilical cord. Okay, but we're gonna wait just about uh, thirty more seconds before we start. All right. What we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna tie a string tightly around the umbilical cord about six inches from the baby don't cut it we're just going to tie it i'll let you know when we need to do that okay yes Okay, so do you have a shoestring? Do we have a shoestring? Okay, all right, if the paramedics get there in the meantime, we'll let them handle it, but we want to go ahead and tie off the cord if we can.
4: She wait to deliver a because okay, she okay. I'm going
0: to give you instructions on that favor, but do you have the shoestring? I do have the shoestring. All right, okay, listen to my instructions, okay? Without pulling on the cord, tie a string... Tightly around the umbilical cord, about six inches from the baby, but do not cut it. Just tie it now and tell me when it's done. Okay. Okay. There's paramedics there now, okay? Um, Don't pull on the cord, okay? The afterbirth should deliver soon. Tell me if this happens or if anything changes. What's that noise, y'all? Okay, you want? He forgot the alarm. Oh, okay. All right. Is the afterbirth out yet, Mel? Hey, Mel? Yeah. Did your afterbirth come out? <laughs> okay. Okay. How you do it. Okay, I'll let you guys go. Good luck to you, okay? Congratulations.
3: Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. You got to imagine that happens a lot, but hearing hearing it happen and actually hearing it happen successfully, (laughs) I guess...
2: They're lucky that guy's a stoner and so friggin' calm, man. <laughs> the uh, thing that occurred to me at the end there, which is like, is it a boy or a girl? I was on an episode of, I think it was Brutal with Kent, and Kent had only had girls. And so I was like trying to tell him about cutting the cord. <clears throat> and I got it mixed up and I was like, yeah, we had boys, so you had to cut the cord, right? And he's like, wait a minute. I'm like, yeah, 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 the umbilical cord's like attached to the penis. Wait. And then I was like, whoa, what am I talking about? So I thought that Kent had the experience of cutting the umbilical cord because he had girls. Because oh. the dick was attached to the umbilical cord. For some, <laughs> anyways, um, that's amazing. My uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law, uh, they just had a baby two days ago. Um, Your and
3: brother-in-law and sister-in-law? Wait a
2: minute. Is that how that works? No, wait. My brother-in-law and his wife? The, let's see. Who are you related to directly? So my girl's brother. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, Is she my so. sister-in-law?
3: Yeah, I guess they're both your, your in-laws. Yes, that's correct. I don't uh, know all right. I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I got mixed up there, too, like Kent and I did with the dick cutting <laughs> situation. But uh, so they go in, and uh, she has to have a cesarean. And- he had to take a dump the whole time. He's like, great, I get to remember this whole situation by having to take a dump while this whole situation is going on. But it, it made me interested to look into what Caesarean is. And I'm sure a lot of people know this, but I didn't. Julius Caesar, he had trouble like when he was being, he was being born as a baby coming out of his mother. They, they couldn't get him out. So because he was going to be Julius Caesar, they cut her open and pulled him out, thus saving his life. And that's why it's a cesarean. Julius Caesar was taking it that way. I see. (sighs) Wow. They used to before that. They were only doing it to dead mothers, mothers who had died during childbirth, and then cut them open to try to save the baby.
3: Oh my gosh! So before Julius, it was only dead people.
2: (laughs) Well, so he would
3: have been considered like a miracle baby, like ultra special.
2: Right. Well, the mother and the mother survived in the situation, too, because they got ahead of it, right? And they'd done a few yeah. of these procedures already, and then they started doing it going forward when there was um, a situation where the mother was at risk and the baby as well. Do you remember that, actually, I think it was a dark me- a
3: dark call that we covered where um, that lady... Call, uh, put a fake ad out for baby clothes on Craigslist. The lady responds. She's right. pregnant. The lady attacks her, takes her baby out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: And I described all the layers that a doctor has to go through mm-hmm. to get to the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's immense. There's 12 layers of the human body that they have to cut through. And any misstep could cut some severe arteries, some severe
2: blood flow. That is, <sighs> you know. Well, this is a happy ending out. Uh, we don't want to talk about that situation where yeah. a woman <laughs> cut a baby out of another woman's. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, the devil's in the details. Birthing a
3: child is not that easy.
2: <laughs> well, that's
3: what I'm I've surprised heard. there's
2: billions of us. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, man. <laughs> Somehow we pull this off like a hat trick. Oh, the two that I saw were horrific. Mm. Everyone says yeah. it's beautiful. That's what I was talking to, well, to my brother in law, Ben. I was like, man, it's not pretty. He's like, yeah, especially when I take a dump.
3: (laughs) Yeah. You know, if hyperbole could be a human, it'd be ladies. Mm. Why? Because that should never be able to happen. (laughs) It's like... It's the most impossible. It's like no, no, no. You're over. You're over. You're you're overstating this. There's no way yeah. that thing could come out of there. And we're like, no, no, yeah. So, late <laughs> women are like the human version of hyperbole. It's crazy. <laughs> their crazy, bro.
2: <laughs> Bring it all
3: together. <laughs> all um, right. All right. Well, that's all I got, and I I don't think we can say any more on this one. I think no, it's man. pretty pretty buttoned up.
2: I'll see you. I'll see you next month. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the break. And uh, looking forward to the next one. You call me whenever you need me.
3: I will. I love you. Love
2: you too, man. Hugs, everybody.